and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website. If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch. You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime, or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex. That's it. That's our intro. Now, time for the show. This is And we are recording for uh, part two of our, uh, what is this, Alex? <laughs> our summer camp? Our uh, summer road summer trip? Break, just, summer break, summer vacation. Just, summer vacation. Yeah, just summer break trilogy. There we go. There we go. Quick quick little trilogy we're throwing y'all's way. Uh, but yes, hello and welcome uh, back to the summer vacation and back to the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, as always joined by my buddy Julio there. Uh, and we are joined once again by our guest, my sister Lillian. Austin's who... favorite teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Thanks again right. for having me. This was her uh, brainchild here. Uh, being an elementary school teacher on summer break, she picked the three movies. Uh, if you're coming to us after Dazed and Confused, you've kind of already gotten the rundown of this. If you're not, we recommend you go listen to that first before uh, coming back over to this. But uh, yeah, just in an attempt to capture the summer spirit, Lillian picked out Dazed and Confused, uh, the movie we're covering here momentarily, and then also uh, Wet Hot American Summer, which uh, we'll get to how you can listen to that here shortly. Uh, but Julio, hello, sir. Always a pleasure. Hello. Uh, this is the the perfect follow up to Dates and Confused. In a in a spiritual way, it is. And Lillian, welcome back. Hello. Yes, thank you. I'm really excited to talk about these two movies because um, while I love Dazed and Confused for what it is, these two movies have an even more special place in my heart. So, wow. Jason mm-hmm. London, seething right now. Him and Jeremy. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> as is his twin brother. This is just a quick bonus episode we're throwing to you all as a freebie. It's kind of a preview of some of the things you'll find on our Patreon from time to time. But uh, we had these three movies to do. We figured this would be the one with the broadest appeal. And then we got more of kind of your you know typical cult classic coming your way on Patreon. If this is your first time listening, it may be. This doesn't follow the typical formula of what we really do. Uh, it more falls in line with what we call Real Talk, which is a second part of our podcast. Uh, we're just going to talk about a goofy movie and, uh, you know, our thoughts on it, feelings. Uh, does it represent the summer experience? Julio, this would have fit perfectly in line with our summer road trip uh, series we did a few years ago. Yes. Uh, all that's missing was uh, John Travolta and Tim Allen and <laughs> motorbikes. Yeah. Then like a credence clearwater revival song on the soundtrack or something <laughs> i mean it's a disney movie so you know what you're getting into with the soundtracks and the original musical numbers going somewhere pop sure it's a vacation with me and my best buddy donald duck no silly with you Ugh. it's goofy 
We are here today to discuss 1995's A Goofy Movie. That, right off the bat, kind of blew my mind. I thought, for some reason, I pictured this as like a 92, 93 type movie. Uh, but it was April 7th of 1995. It was directed by Kevin Lima, who uh, also looks like uh, did the story for Oliver and Company and character design for Little Mermaid. Uh, also worked on Rescuers Down Under, director of Tarzan. So this guy was very familiar with uh, with you know the works of Disney. He also went on to direct Enchanted, which I think is kind of an underrated oh, wow. entry in the Disney franchise. So they didn't just hand him a goofy movie. He had to work for it. <laughs> he had to earn it. He also uh, worked on the story for Aladdin, Lion King. So this dude was, you know, oh wow. Some would argue the golden, a- the golden years, golden age. He was there for. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Oliver and Company was that Disney? Uh, let's double check here. I always figured it was. Yep, Walt Disney presents it Oliver was? and Company. Okay. Yeah. Back then, I, I don't think they had much competition. It was either them and or uh, who's the guy that did the Watership Down movie, the really creepy animation. Bluth, Don Bluth. I'm trying to find your Watership Down. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's based on a 1972 novel by Richard Adams. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was a few years before. Um, who was it that DreamWorks was the one that kind of disrupted the balance with things like mm. Shrek and Ants and things like that? Lillian, our guest, first and foremost, first and morphost. Um, <laughs> Oh, and also forgot to mention this film stars Polly Shore, which I am endlessly stars. fascinated by. Wait, wow. what? <laughs> uh, Polly Shore is like the uh, Bobby, the guy who like lends him the TV and has like the sunglasses and eats all the cheese whiz. That's voiced by Polly Shore. Uncredited? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, the, that's why it's like nowhere in the movie. But as soon as I heard his voice and like. Uh, Polly Shore. I thought we had evolved past the need for Polly Shore in 1995, but it was not to be. Well, that's why he's uncredited. <laughs> yeah, but if you look it up online, it's not like it's a big secret. You just mean it wasn't like in the credits in the movie. Yeah, that's when when you say uncredited, it typically means in the in terms of like. Okay, again, what? I'm sorry. I'm the <laughs> actually. Yeah, I don't know these, Come but, on, Alex. but of course it's Polly Shore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't recognize his voice, but I don't think I've ever sat through a Polly Shore movie. Uh, That's okay. So I've I mean, heard. around that time period, it would have been like in the army. Now, so, was that movie Encino Son-in-Law? Man? Encino Man, Biodome came out the year after Biodome, this. Biodome, yeah. So, uh. Lillian, why did you pick, amongst all the movies about summer break, what what sticks out about a goofy movie? I'm glad you asked, Alex. Um, <laughs> no, this stands out to me just because, um, yeah, 95, um, I would have been four. So it's not like I, I watched it when I was a little bit older. Um, but to me, it's one of the quintessential um, stories about having all these plans for your summer break and then, um, and it doesn't exactly go as planned. Also the soundtrack is dynamite. Uh, not going to lie. I was singing along every word, (laughs) especially to that opening track. Um, after today, 
Um, I remember watching it with friends. Uh, it was just a really good feel good. And when I thought about summer break movies, it just immediately came to mind because of the, you know, similar to Dazed and Confused, it starts on the very last day of schools and all the kids excited to go on summer break. Um, but unlike Dazed and Confused, we get to travel a little bit with with Max and his dad and the and the adventure that they go on together. You can pretend that this is what happens when uh, Jason London and Matthew McConaughey go to that Aerosmith concert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. From just hearing you talk about it, like, obviously, we're related. So I, I know how you feel. That's a weird way to start that sentence. Um <laughs> We were children together. <laughs> we were children together. <laughs> Obviously, Lillian, I've heard you talk about this movie a lot, and I was racking my brain while we were watching it. It definitely has a far, far stronger uh, nostalgic, you know, um, renaissance with you, or just kind of like I—I I was watching. I was like, I know I've had to have seen this before, but in no way does any of this like stick out in my mind. Uh, yeah, no, but- it was just like a staple of slumber parties. I mean, I—I I don't know why, but next to Aladdin and Oliver and Company and those types of movies, that director knew what he was doing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's. If we really thought about it, there's a couple that you really admired that I've never seen or I'm vaguely oh, familiar with. Oh, yeah, definitely. With. I mean, yeah. Julio knows The Sandlot was a big one of our childhood. Bushwhacked with Daniel Stern was a big one. You know, the Classic. Toy Story movies. Uh, it's fitting. One of the things I found when I was reading about this, because she's your age also. Not that we're all like massively different. I mean, Julio's old as shit, but other than that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm goofy. You guys are Max's. I'm Pete, During actually. An- during an interview with ID while promoting licorice pizza, Alana Haim called Goofy Movie her favorite movie of all time, stating, if you haven't seen it, you need to watch a Goofy Movie. It's the best movie of all time. <laughs> so, I'm curious, like, how that came up. Like, you know, someone's expecting her to say, like, you know, Citizen Kane or fucking what's uh, what would be like the most hoity toity answer you could have for the best movie ever made. I don't Some P.T. But- Anderson movie. <laughs> Boogie Nights. Which there's the connection here because Goofy has Joaquin Phoenix's job from the master. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. And Goofy was way better at his job. He, de- he categorically was better at that job than uh, Freddie Quill was. Uh, as I mentioned, released on uh, April 7th of 1995, a budget of $18 million, a fairly disappointing box office return of less than $40 million. This was uh, a theatrical release? Oh yeah, yeah, man. Oh wow, I just that, I now, thought because it's so short. I just thought it was a, a Disney no, Channel the, movie. The eighty-minute perfect Disney formula. Yes, that, that's what they all were until you know Avatar and shit. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was definitely in theaters. Although I doubt that an extremely goofy movie went to theaters. That seems like a straight to VHS situation. That's kind of in line with like, um, like the sequels to Aladdin and shit like that. Uh, Return yeah, of man. Jafar. Don't talk shit about that. <laughs> now that talking shit is a good movie. Okay. They didn't return to theaters. <laughs> yeah, Aladdin was uh, ninety minutes. That, that was kind of par for the course. I'm disappointed, Julio. You couldn't tell immediately that this was a film transfer of a goofy movie. 
so you know what, Alex? <laughs> You'll be proud of me. That thought crossed my mind. I was like, <laughs> I think this is a film transfer. You can definitely tell in the beginning when he's like mm-hmm. having the dream. <gasps> What's wrong? <laughs> I mean, I thought it looked great, but, yeah. but animation is kind of a little easier, I think, to to kind of, you know, you can't tell the difference as easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just for like reference point, Lion King was 88 minutes. So Lillian was right. They, they had that sweet spot there. And uh, a movie, I don't think this is the direct cause as to why a goofy movie didn't do what Disney wanted it to in the theaters. But uh, the game done changed. About six months later, when uh, Toy Story came mm. out, November 19th of 1995. So that might be why this movie seems antiquated to me in terms of like, I knew Toy Story came out in 95 and that just changed everything. So when I see these like style of movies, even like Lion King came out the year before, but it seems like two different generations to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what was the the big Disney release, though? Um, because okay so Toy Story's Pixar in 95 and Lion King is Disney in 94 so what's 95 Pocahontas Pocahontas yep good call 1995 oh 70 minutes let's probably I show it to my students every year Pocahontas is great because I know it's like like good three 25 minute installments (laughs) I always forget that Christian Bale is one of the voices in that movie in Pocahontas? Um, yeah, he he's Thomas, the John Smith's best friend. Oh. And that is wild because gee. he's also in uh, The New World, which is basically the live action Pocahontas My directed by Terrence Malick. <laughs> I'm imagining him like yelling at the staff like in between takes. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Huh. So Pocahontas, 81 minutes. Uh, and then Toy Story, the thing I was going to say, the first Toy Story was 81 minutes as well. I, and, yep. you know, these the perceived financial strife of Goofy movie. I think it worked out okay as Pocahontas made three hundred fifty million and uh, Toy Story made made three hundred and sixty million. So Disney made out okay in nineteen ninety five. Uh, a current standing of sixty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes uh, with a looks like twenty eight tomato meter uh, recognized reviews. An audience score of seventy percent. Julio, did you find any reviews or any uh, quips for us as it pertains to a Goofy movie? Yeah, I pulled a few quotes. I know we're kind of like playing with the format in this bonus episode, and I, I really needed some pointers because I, I, you know, I haven't, I hadn't watched this movie until today, and mm-hmm. I really had no idea of the context of its release. And honestly. I am not as familiar with Goofy, like as we'll get into this conversation. I mean, Goofy is not my character. I'm a, I think I mentioned it in the previous episode. I'm a Donald kind of guy. And even after <laughs> Donald, it'll be Mickey. And Goofy is a distant third when it comes to the top three, you know. So this was, I just wanted, I was curious to see what the reaction was. I, I wanted to go beyond that tomato meter score and just seeing what the critics actually said. Mm. Uh, so here's a, just a, a handful of quotes. Chris Hewitt from St. Paul Pioneer Press gives it a fresh tomato, but his comment is kind of a, a, a complicit. He goes, a gently amusing comedy that never quite figures out who its audience is. Um, mm-hmm. 
Which is weird because I think that this movie is actually very clearly a movie for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel that it was struggling to appeal to both adults and kids. Mm-mm. I mean, there's one scene in particular that I think would tug at any dad's heartstrings. Um, but absolutely, it's a, it's a children's movie. Yeah, I don't know what the... I wonder, uh, because the thought crossed my mind, it, just that if he's kind of a... Uh, I wouldn't call him a prude, but he's, you know, he's a little uptight, and he felt that the all the advances that uh, what's the name of the girl that's Max's uh, object of affection here? Samantha is that her name? No, I think it's Amber. Roxanne. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we Roxanne. got there. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Whether um, he felt Chris Hewitt felt that uh, Roxanne was a little too forward with Max. And that's why he was like, that belongs in an adult movie, in a movie for adults. <laughs> um, speaking of road trip, what you were saying, Alex, uh, Matt Brunet from Animat's Review says, a goofy movie is a road trip that proves that you don't need to pack a lot in order to have an unforgettable journey. Um, obviously, he's referencing the fact that this, this is pretty light on plot. I mean, that's how you get to <laughs> to that short runtime. You just don't, you just don't overdo it. And just mm-hmm. uh, point A to point B. A couple of detours and uh, Bigfoot. Then uh, Jordan Kaluan, uh from Black Nerd Problems. This was just bizarre, but I just I felt the need to call it out. Uh, he says, a goofy movie isn't a nerd classic. A goofy movie is a black nerd classic. A goofy movie is unequivocally the blackest Disney movie of all time. I'm assuming he's just playing with the fact that his website's called Black Nerd Problems. But still... It got me thinking, is Goofy supposed to be black? He's not, right? He's well, like That's raceless. funny you bring that up. I, I would think so. But I also, you know, looked around a little bit um, about it before watching again. And there's a YouTube video that I decided not to watch today. <laughs> but yeah, it said the same thing, that a Goofy movie is an iconic black Disney film for black viewers. And I had never thought that other than the fact that the musician that they all love um, is like a slightly darker skin tone than the other animal dogs. I think they are. (laughs) Um, We're not even, we're not even sure about that. (laughs) That's one of the first things when you Google Goofy, you know, the people also ask that thing, a Goofy movie, is Goofy a cow or a dog? And Goofy is a cartoon character created by the Walt Disney Company. He is a tall anthropomorphic dog who typically (laughs) wears a turtleneck and vest with pants, shoes, white gloves, and a tall hat, originally designed as a rumpled fedora. Interesting. Is the second most popular result is Goofy Black? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Why is a Goofy movie so good? Is... (laughs) Yeah, and there it is. Is Goofy black? And then is Pluto related to Goofy? Because well, that's, you know. <laughs> okay, again, again, Powerline, the pop star. Yeah, he, that would be like massive cultural appropriation if they tried to pivot that as like a white person. You know what I mean? Right. Like he, I think, is, I mean, you see him at the end and in the beginning a little bit. Like he's got a darker skin tone than the other dogs. Um, so I'm led to believe that 
there's a myriad of skin tones in this dog universe. And, <laughs> and to hear that it is for black viewers, I mean, I don't know that if that's a point of pride, hell yeah, it's a great movie. And I, but I had never heard that before. That's one of those things of like, um, there's no way that the three of us could speak to like interpreting that type of shit. And so it's, it's sure. fascinating to hear that. And even just like a quick Google search, uh, there's articles that pull up about Goofy being recognized as a black Disney character and stuff like that. Um, to be fair, I I don't really think there was a prominent black Disney movie before Princess and the Frog. Well, well that could be yeah, that perceived was... a couple different ways. Let me, <laughs> you know, with black characters and celebrating black culture, um, because I know that was a huge deal. Like for the younger girls who love the Disney princesses, you know, there wasn't like a black princess until Tiana from Princess and the Frog. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm probably going to look into it more because that'd be really interesting to know if in the 90s black communities celebrated Goofy. That's pretty cool. I'd never had thought of that before. See, now it's like, where's the where's the Peruvian Disney character? <laughs> What's his name? Cusco! That's his name! He's the king of the world! I'm going to close with uh, one that, I, that was actually baffling, and that's Alexandal from Juicy Cerebellum, who says, Disney quickie without any heart. Pshaw. <laughs> you have Disney no heart, quickie. sir. Jesus. On the topic, I just found this article. A goofy movie, its sequel, and the erasure erasure of blackness. It's by J.P. Cromwell from February 2nd of 2021 on uh, artscollective.com. I'm just going to read this excerpt. A goofy movie is a black coming of age movie. In a goofy movie, there are plenty of plot points regarding black themes, much further than Powerline being a character. Max idolizes Powerline. He wears baggy clothes, much like black kids in the 90s who loved hip-hop and R&B did. After Max hijacks a school assembly during the first half of the movie, his principal calls Goofy and says that Max was dressed like a gang member, then says that if Goofy doesn't change his uh, parenting style, Max will end up in jail or the electric chair. These are all (laughs) concepts and themes that come up in black lives, especially when those in power are out of touch or flat out refuse to understand our culture. I still remember teachers disapproving rap music or constantly changing hairstyles for jobs. One of my worst memories is when the former boss thought I was a thug attempting to break into the store when I had just shifted to um, locks showing up for the morning shift. So the rest of the movie is a story of Max, a new urban black adolescent learning to understand and embrace his very country. Let's say Southern for those who don't understand what I'm getting at when I say country corny father and vice versa. It's a beautiful tale that a lot of people, especially 90s black kids can relate to. They can see their Southern parents who migrated up north and goofy. And at some point they wished to not be cornballs like them. They see most of the teachers they've ever had in Principal Mazur, who is, of course, voiced by Wallace Shawn, misunderstanding their blackness as somehow malevolent. And a lot of us have had this desire to find something cool in yourself despite being not cool. For me, my power line would have been Donald Glover. For others, that might have been Kanye, Pharrell, or Open Mike Eagle. 
black zoomers will hopefully say that for them it was Amin or Jaden. And then it goes into the sequel, which I'm not familiar with, but the article kind of breaks down how it kind of undid what some of the uh, this movie did originally. So I think kind of discovering this as we dip into it, that's a really fascinating piece of business. And I mean, even if it is just a goofy movie we're talking about, I'm not going to, it's like fucking the deepest shit we've ever done. Julio. I'm not going to tell someone how to interpret a movie they watch. You know what I mean? I think we all learned something today. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Very much. So I mean, once he kind of breaks it down that way, it makes a lot of sense. I watching it, it didn't even cross my mind, but obviously you know, I haven't had that specific experience. So to me, it was just like, oh, it's just a, an animated movie being over the top. Uh, I would like to hear what uh, the director and the writers yeah. say about that. Because I think it's great that you can put that meaning on it, whether they intended it or not. Once once you see it, gotta, it it's hard to believe that it wasn't intentional. But I don't know. I mean, sometimes it is. <laughs> You know, they they make something. You like to talk about Halloween a lot, Alex, about how, like, John Carpenter says that he just made a scary movie and everybody else just put all the meaning Mm. afterwards. I don't know. I mean, John Carpenter didn't direct a goofy movie, so maybe there was more intention to begin with. What the hell would that have been like? (laughs) I see what they're saying. And I I, I mean, I even agree without, you know, rewatching the movie or going into more more of a rabbit hole uh, on the internet. But... I think that one of the reasons why I didn't think about it is because I think that the focus of the movie, which is that relationship between Max and Goofy, that one is more universal. Mm. Like, I get how he's pointing out that, uh, you know, the very specific black experience that would go with being embarrassed by your father, being embarrassed of your father. But that doesn't happen just there. I mean, I think that happens to almost every teenager. Yeah. And so, I- yeah, that that's obviously not exclusive, but uh, again, some of the things that were called out there and, you know, uh, yeah, the clothing and the, the call out about the gang and the electric chair. I was like, oh, when you read it, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. Well, Goofy even says at one point, you know, I don't want you to he's going to end up in the electric chair or whatnot. But um, so awesome. And that's something we talk about all the time on here. There's plenty of movies, Julio, you and I have come interpreted completely different ways and it's what you bring to it and something as heavy as that i mean yeah i I, i'm not surprised it's not something that we immediately made connections to but that's a really fascinating twist on this whole thing moving along lillian is it ever explained uh why goofy's a single father like do you know elsewhere if it is or not no i um was actually just thinking of that as you were reading i thought that that I don't know who it was you were quoting, but I was anticipating that being brought up with the single parent. Um, I, maybe it's an, an extremely goofy movie. Maybe it's an extreme <laughs> issue that is brought up in the sequel. But uh, not that so I know Max, of. Max, Max goes looking for his birth mother. Oof, well, I, that's I, the next trip. Yikes. I kind of like it, though, because it helps us focus just on their relationship and while it leaves you wondering for a moment it doesn't like it's not like there's ever a part where max is like i wish mom was here or like i miss mom like they don't seem to be concerned with that at all and i'm 
okay with that. You know, only 80 minutes here. All right. We don't, we don't have time for the missing mom. But like without exploring that story, it adds a whole different point of interest to everything just because it's like the, the situation they're in. And it's definitely. Julio, is that anything you took note of? Did you find that interesting for, you know, not just a Disney movie, but one from 30 years ago now that introduced this and like respected enough of its audience to not have to like micromanage and explain it to everybody? I mean, I just realized that Pete's also a single father. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. That one's uh, a little easier to, to buy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he's awful. Yes. Um, no, I think that because I, I, that's kind of accepted in a way that I, I didn't even question it or wonder about it. Like in my mind, I know that Goofy is a single parent or I know that Goofy doesn't have a partner. And so when I see him in a movie where he has a kid and no partner, it just, I don't really wonder. Yeah, that's a went. good point. It's not like if Mickey Mouse had a son and they went <laughs> on a trip together and Minnie wasn't there. It right, would be like, right. where, where's your wife? Where's Minnie? What did you do to her? Even with Donald Duck, Duck, he has uh, he has Daisy. So yeah, I think if you're a Disney fan, you come into it knowing that <laughs> this is so strange to say. I've never said this sentence before. If Goofy has a son, then he is a single father. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's how we know Goofy. <laughs> if Goofy has a son, that means that Goofy had sex at some point. Unless he adopted Max. We don't know. They look too much alike. Yeah. <laughs> they look like no one else in this universe. But, yeah, another thing is that Goofy only speaks of his dad and never of his mother. Or like his he never says my parents. He always says I did this with my dad. Interesting. Okay, so we're figuring out that Goofy is actually part of this specific race of super dogs that are uh <laughs> what do you call it? Like oh. You know, and, they, like, reproduce, like, on their yeah, own. Yeah, by budding. But, like, <laughs> um, now I'm thinking when um, when Max goes to Roxanne's house, who answers the door, her dad. Uh, hi. All mm-hmm. of these children only have dads, or all of these pups only have dads. Interesting. We don't see any mothers in this movie. Is that what you're saying? Because I'm trying to think. We, we do, see- though. We do in the, oh, God, we do in the very beginning in the photo department, wherever Goofy works. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That woman where one of her pantyhose is, like, down at her ankle. <laughs> That's a little detail that I, I caught and tittered at. But then she looked very haggard and worn down. So I don't, I think we're uncovering some... <laughs> Some real interesting things here, y'all. <laughs> uh, okay, where so where are the mothers? Okay, sorry. Go that's on. that's uh that's the sequel again. Like, extremely mm-hmm. goofy movies. You bring the moms. They're they're I at guess. the spa while all the while all the dads are raising the children. And I okay. So this is my question to both of you who are so enamored, you know, with Goofy. What do you see in this character? that I might be missing. Because I, I appreciate the wholesomeness that he brings to to the story. And I like I and Alex probably knows this and listeners of the show know also. Like I'm not big on on Pratt Falls. So whenever Goofy is like 
tripping over himself or like you know running into a wall or whatever that's like that's not as funny to me and definitely not when it keeps happening over and over right but uh is there more to him than that that I'm just missing? Like, is it just that he's a really good dad? Like, my wife just she had to leave the house as I was starting the movie, but she uh, she was like, "Just so you know, Goofy's the best dad ever." Or is that the thing? Is that the would would you guys like why he's so beloved? Like, I like Donald because he's cranky, and I can relate to that. Well, I was about <laughs> to say, even then, like it, this movie definitely. You could argue this expands upon the foundation of Disney characters because it's Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy, like are like the, you know, the foundation of Disney. And it's not like we have movies that we can point to that explain that add, uh, you know, Mickey's backstory or you know Donald to it. I think what you're referencing from that is like um, just like the cartoons that we grew up on the shorts and stuff like that with this in particular and again this is my first time watching it and really retaining anything happening it definitely adds more layers to goofy because to me he's always exactly what you said he's just the goofball of the bunch that like you know mickey's the leader like you said donald's the temperamental one (laughs) yeah there you go and then goofy's just kind of like the he is the schlemiel and the schlemazel of the the disney lineup (laughs) So uh, to me, I always, I have like a sh- the same amount of interest in those main characters, but I, I find this movie fascinating because it does add all that layer to him and it does it without that pratfall stuff doesn't necessarily dominate this. And it is weird that one part, like it's specifically in the jacuzzi where he like argues with a dude about fathering. Uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of like, man, what's going on here? So, yeah, Lillian, you're obviously far more entrenched in, you know, one with this movie than I am. So I'll yield the floor to you. Yeah. So Goofy, it, it's it's in his name. You know, we know what to expect from this character. Um, and. Yeah, I I can't help but think I don't know if it's still there, but there was a um, a small roller coaster at Disney World at Magic Kingdom called the Barn Burner, and uh, it it stars Goofy, and you go through this this barn at one point, and there's like an outline of Goofy in the side of the barn as if he you know ran through <laughs> that kind of old uh, that old gag. And like that's the epitome of Goofy and that sound he makes. I don't want to attempt it, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's like a Sweetums character. You know, he's just like guffawing and and uh, always wanting to bring a smile and um, always chipper. And so that's another reason why I love this movie. Yeah, and the jacuzzi scene. The, ugh, that scene is so great. Like the lighting on their faces it's it sets such a tone and when he comes into the the motel room and just goes uh he lays on the bed and like tucks his feet in because he's just so beside himself i think goofy is an enigma really no i (laughs) i appreciate that they made this movie because i think it goes to show that um a character that didn't seem to have much um, much going on uh, can really be put into a story that, yeah, is simple and the plot's not 
not very complex, but, but it gave him a lot of like humanity and way more than I've seen with Mickey Mouse, you know, like there's a ton of, of cartoons like older and newer that I've seen on Disney plus and Mickey's just always like, Oh, you know, like he's never like, he's never getting into these, these real like human issues. And, and that's what sets a goofy movie apart for me because yeah, you still get the, the really silly, um, laughable, goofy, but these like really sincere moments that, bring more to one of the central Disney characters than, than I think we've seen. So yeah, if you don't love Goofy after this and, and she's right, by the way, he is a good dad. (laughs) See, in defense of Mickey, I have to say heavy lies the crown because Mickey is, he's, he's the guy. And this is just, it might be Alex's influence after hours and hours of uh john cena footage but i you know he's like the face of the company so there's <laughs> they have to keep mickey kind of immaculate and mm. whereas with goofy they can be a little more experimental they can give him a, a kid and you know they can give the Miz wrinkles you know they, yes. gotta, they gotta give the background players <laughs> oh, <brother. laughs> okay but uh, so, so the, the second part of this though is like if if goofy is this lovable then do you guys have the problem that I had? My main, I mean, problem is make it a little too dramatic, but doesn't that make Max unlikable automatically because he's such an ass and so unappreciative yeah. of his dad through most of the movie? And the entire time I kept thinking, this is why I will never have kids because it's just not worth it. <laughs> just I was thinking that same thing because when I remember watching it. I never really had like that contentious stage. Well, I might be remembering it differently, but with my parents where I was like super rebellious and like, I don't want to do anything with my parents. You'll embarrass me, blah, blah, blah. Like I don't specifically remember going through that, but when I watched it as a kid, it was like, yeah, that's teen or preteen angst. Like he, he wants to go see power line. Like he doesn't want to go fishing with his dad, but then yeah, watching it as an adult, it's like, what an ungrateful little brat (laughs) doesn't care what his dad has done for him. And short answer. Yes. Um, it does make him an unlikable character, but that's what makes the, the climax and the denouement, if you will, uh, <laughs> so much, so much better because at the very end you see him saying, "Roxanne, here's my dad," as he's hanging through her porch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So obviously he learns a lesson, but yeah, he's kind of a, a little shithead. You know, Elf, and I'm sure there's other countless movies we could all just shout out here, but that's that's part of the storytelling trope. I mean, James Con. Rich ass James Con giving me an apartment in downtown Manhattan would be pretty fucking cool to me, but that little kid obviously can't appreciate it. That type of thing, and <laughs> it's um, similar here. And I think that's the tenacity and uh, that Goofy shows. And you know, eventually they they never end up going fishing. Really, like the the trip was so desired. I think more than that, though, it shows the dichotomy of. The what is it? PJ 
and um, mm-hmm. the guy who sounds like Stacy Keach but is not Stacy Keach. Uh, Pete. Yeah, his friend. He's uh, PJ Pete, son of Peter Pete. <laughs> Who's like in his own world and doesn't really have any relationship with his dad, but his dad's so proud of him. He respects me, that type of thing. And I think there's a, a pretty good balance between that all. <laughs> Don't let him fool you with that buddy buddy act now. Under your thumb. Before I forget, I do want to call out, this is one of the 90s movies attributed with the, uh, it's cited, I shouldn't say it's attributed, but it's cited with uh, Ninja Turtles, like the live action one, one of the movies that romanticized pizza for a generation because of that scene when they're in the bedroom and like they're pulling the pizza apart and how the cheese is so gooey and stuff. Like (laughs) I've read multiple people discuss uh, and, you know, like Binging with Babish is a show that uh, on YouTube that I enjoy. And it's been cited numerous places as like people have long searched for the pizza where the cheese stretches that much, that type of thing. So I wanted I to kick. reach into the screen and take that pizza. It looked so good. Yeah. And the, the animation specifically in that whole hotel sequence is just on point. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive. And also, since we were just talking about Mickey do need to bring up here the hidden Mickey uh, during the Powerline concert. Mickey Mouse can be spotted in the crowd in the lower left portion of the crowd shot immediately after the stage member is thrown into the Diamond Vision screen. Also, Mickey Mouse can be spotted during the show in the auditorium when Max flies towards Roxanne in the bottom left corner right after the camera focuses on the whole room. Also on the roadside with Donald Duck. I don't know what that's referencing, though. Oh, they probably yeah, there's drive a past lot. Them. There's a lot of little Disney Easter eggs, which um, which made me kind of go like, "Wait, what? Why?" Because there's on Goofy's keychain, uh, on his keys, there's a Disney World keychain, and then uh, when they play that game in the car, or at least Goofy tries to play a game with Max, he's like, "Is it a man?" And Max is like, yeah. And he goes, Walt Disney. And Max is like, right. <laughs> yeah, <that was> weird. <laughs> but then it's like, so wait, they live in a universe of dog people where they know that Walt Disney <laughs> exists or do they know that he created them? Very perplexing. Maybe maybe he's like their god. <laughs> Having maybe. just edited the... Our last action hero one today with Julio are trying to figure out like what's canon and what's not in that movie. I yeah, it, <laughs> if you spend too much time thinking on this, it can get pretty confusing. I mean, we um, need we need a, a post credit scene of Goofy staring into the poster of a Goofy movie. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I always loved this scene, but where Goofy takes Max to this like roadside attraction um, in this seemingly sort of uh backwoods maybe white trashy area where there's like a possum show (laughs) kind of like an animatronic thing and they wear possum hats and then they get to pose with live possums so the possums are are rather the dogs are superior to the possums (laughs) Uh, I found this very interesting as well. But I, I, I always loved that scene. Didn't think twice about it as a kid, obviously. 
yeah the rules like what what determines which animal gets like the anthropomorphic treatment and which yeah. animal remains an animal in this universe <laughs> yeah this may lend some uh, explanation as to the release in 95 and also why Polly Shore was involved is that this was originally made in 1993 and was supposed to be released in theaters for the holiday season of 94. However, they had some issues with the distribution in France. And so they had to push it back to 95. So what they did in the meantime was just re-release the Lion King to fill its spot. And it worked out all right because the Lion King made uh, just shy of $1 billion upon its uh, theatrical run. So uh, as we know was true then, now and forever, Disney ain't losing no money. Uh, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, Even when they lose money, they'll still be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that fucking, they're the only studio that's ever made a movie that lost $300 million and we're like, yeah, we're good. I mean, uh, that guy won't work for us again, but we're good. <laughs> <laughs> The character of Powerline was a mix of Bobby Brown, Prince, and Michael Jackson. So, again, that kind of speaks to what we were talking about a bit earlier. Much like our last episode, or the one most recently discussed, I should say, uh, Last Action Hero, a large part of the marketing for this was Burger King and the Happy Meals that were released there with Goofy Toys. Nice. I wonder That's if cool. you can buy those on eBay. Pro- like anything, I'm sure you can. But uh, Gonna Google it. So is this is this movie uh basically is this the beginning of the of the story or is this kind of like a because I know they have a TV show like Goof Troop is Goofy and Max, right? Mm-hmm. You so, you beat me to it. I was about to say this was like basically the idea of like Mask of the Phantasm. Uh how Mask of the Phantasm initially was going to be like the conclusion to the animated oh, series. This okay. was kind of like yeah, this was the was supposed to play in canonically to that. Oh wow, you guys. We can <laughs> we can get the set of five goofy movie Burger King toys. Twenty four ninety nine. That's a steal. It's like it is. See what we got each. here. Oh, it there every single one of them <laughs> is one of those with like the wheels on the bottom that you like drag it back and then it goes forward. Cute. The goofy uh, one always runs into something. Goes <laughs> gorge. <laughs> so so no paddling at the beginning of this movie in the last day nope. of school. No, oh. that's oh Julio, that's what I absolutely love about that opening number. Like him. No more heaven to cheat. No more mystery me. No more gym. No more gym. No more gym. No more gym. To the gonna live in the pool <laughs> Gonna talk to Roxanne And not feel like a fool Cause after today I'm gone After today she'll be mine After today <laughs> Oh it's so good And it's Nobody just gets so hurt. jovial Yeah you've got like A clear you know Class separation if you will Of the jocks and the, the Nerds and the cheerleaders and stuff But that's why I love that opening so much is because it's like it's it's a great song and it's also did y'all notice the like seemingly uh, is a seemingly nod to uh, Greece when Max gets up on like 
the top corner of the yes and he goes and he looks out like the end of summer nights at the yeah. top of the bleachers yeah, yeah. <laughs> no so as opposed to the the paddling that's what i loved about just like the super excited energy for the last day of school like um I, I can't say enough about that that opening number. Greece isn't the no, it's not. No, towards it summer, takes place right? mid school year. Yeah, after That's summer. Right, it's the football season going on now. Well, hence Duh, yeah. summer loving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got me all then I guess it would there. be, yeah, the first day. But it goes through oh. to the whole year, right? Because by the time it ends, uh, they're doing the like end of year. When when Sandy just, uh, you know, re- oh, unveils God. her new self. Yeah, I never even thought of that. We, we watched the entire school year in that. What a, yeah. What With 40-year-olds playing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's the end of the school year because John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John fly off in a car together. <laughs> Coming home here on a goofy movie, a few quick things I wanted to call out. Julio, you'll get a kick out of this because it's something we talked about um, in detail in our Aladdin episode many moons ago. Pauly Shore asked that his role be uncredited because he didn't want Disney to sell the movie on his name similar to Robin Williams' request for Aladdin. <laughs> the so, fucking nerve. <laughs> the ner- the f- Brother. You took the word out of my mouth, so I say I'll use temerity. The, <laughs> the fucking temerity of Pauly Shore to view himself on the level of Robin Williams uh, is just absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um <laughs> Wow. Now he goes around and he like with a big magic marker and writes his name on the poster. And Polly Shore. <laughs> or no, Polly Shore as seen in Goofy or as heard in Goofy movie. <laughs> Goofy movie's Polly Shore starring in the next uh, Limp Bizkit video. That's the only thing that I've ever watched with him that, you know, beginning to end. The video for Break Stuff? Is it Break Stuff where he delivers a pizza? Oh no, he's in break stuff. I'm t- uh, the pizza is um is that in together now, the one with Method Man? Yes. Yeah. 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 And then initially when this was being conceptualized as like a big Hollywood release, there was discussions of having Steve Martin voice Goofy, which like I love Steve Martin, but what <laughs> that would makes that have no been? sense. Yeah, yeah, then he then it would have sounded like Steve Martin and not Goofy. It was what was considered by Disney to be an underwhelming box office performance. Uh, but the film gained massive success on home media sales. He describes it as a cult following, but as discussed, Julio, I, I have a hard time calling it <laughs> any Disney movie a cult film of any yeah, sort. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> the interest in the film is attributed to a combination of its catchy soundtrack as well as the story of cross-generational connections between parents and children. The newfound interest led to waves of new merchandise based on the film that were uh, to be sold at major retailers. Disney has since embraced the fandom and love of a goofy movie uh, in more recent promotions and works. So I guess in closing, Lillian, you brought this to us. And so I ask you, is this a movie you've shown your kids before? Is this a movie you show your classes? Is it one you encourage kids to watch? I have not. um, To be honest, I would have like a few in my rotation. Um, including Pocahontas, as I mentioned earlier, because you can make a whole lesson out of that movie. Um, But 
the past year has been a little different for me as a teacher because with COVID um, regulations, students have not been able to eat in the cafeteria as a group, Um, you know, in a normal, quote, normal school year. You would drop your kids off at the cafeteria and they'd have time to to all eat with their peers. Um, But this past year, uh, they would get their lunch and we would just sit in the classroom all together. And while other teachers are somehow okay with the pandemonium that occurs when they're eating their lunch, I decided each week we can vote on a movie to watch in installments at lunch each day. So this year we watched a ton more movies (laughs) (laughs) with the extra time we had. And after watching Goofy Movie, I still don't know if it would be one in the the lunch rotation. I'm not sure if we're doing that again this year. Um, But... The reason is because I wouldn't want to stop it. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, there are some movies where I'm, like, I've gotten really good at knowing, like, what chapters to do. Like, Pocahontas, uh, Monsters, Inc. is another one. Like, I know how to chunk that up. But this movie needs to be seen, like, to get the full effect, I feel, in one sitting. And it's not like it's a, you know, a long sitting. And yeah, I would hope that the uh, children I teach their age would still be interested in really fun animated movie that has great songs to sing along to and uh, a few moments to feel, you know, warm fuzzies. And I just love that it doesn't mess around. I wish all movies would do this where there's like, really exciting beginning some fun happens and then right after the climax it's like okay we're done this movie like we're we're finishing this now um because i think these longer movies i know i'm going off on a rant here it takes away so much (laughs) from the from enjoying like the actual movie if you're just waiting for it to end so in summation yeah i would i would definitely want to um show this to my students if we had 80 minutes of uninterrupted time Um, because I think it's really great. I think it it, for different, for a different reason than other, um, you know, modern Disney movies who like we've come to expect this like super grand, really tear jerking uh, climax in these, in these newer Disney movies. And this one, like, it's just got that that little scene where he ca- he d- does the perfect cast and and saves his dad and the the tears well up in Goofy's eyes and it's like okay and then they hug and then everything's happy like it's just enough to to uh, have a message that that I think children and and parents would like. Boy, this has been one crazy vacation. And it's not over yet. Excellent. So, uh, what's your score on it? How, again, much like Dazed and Confused, however you want to rate it. Oh, I'm giving this. I know the limit is five, so five bags <laughs> of popcorn and uh, um, one of a, a hook. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> no tap on the tush for this one. No. no. <laughs> Not for this one. Uh, it's a 
you know, a 90s Disney movie and uh, there weren't many, if any, bad ones of those. Uh, it's not blow away like Lion King or Aladdin or anything like that, but I still find it very good, very digestible, very easy, very relatable in a lot of aspects. So I, I was fine uh, going with a B. Julio, where is this uh, falling on your your scale? Uh, I I am torn. I, I definitely I appreciate it more after this conversation than when I first because I it finished and I was like this is good but you know it was but also kind of I think that the opening of the movie is amazing because that that dream sequence where Max where it's revealed without really like saying it just showing you it's revealed that Max fears becoming his father I mean that tells you so much and yeah. that is easily the high point of the movie not because what follows is bad but just because that is so powerful and that's so universal like we were saying and then the rest of the movie is just you know it's good i i think that it probably would take a couple more watches for me to really get in the vibe of the of the soundtrack it's a uh, <laughs> like they're they're good songs but none of them is moving right along that was my main like I, when i see characters uh. now driving i'm like well, you, you need the road trip movie. I, and then the like I said, Goofy is not my go-to for Disney characters. Uh, actually, I'll put Pluto above Goofy. Pluto <laughs> wow. doesn't even speak, Julio. He doesn't need to. He's that charming. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I've always wondered why Pluto is like a a pet. Right. But Goofy gets to be the the like <laughs> the yeah humanoid dog. <laughs> Anyway. The mystery of of Disney, the socio political pyramid. There, I don't know. I I I like where it ends too. Like I like where it begins. I like where it ends. And the road trip is fine, but I just I think that I would probably like this movie better if it was anybody else but Goofy. At the same time, you probably couldn't play this story. Like the story wouldn't play if it wasn't Goofy. So it's like a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate it. I I'll tell you this. Like the movie ended and. Like I said, Disney Plus tried to give me like the okay, now watch an extremely goofy movie. And I was thinking, what is that one about? We like the story ended here because unless you have Max learn the same thing all over again, it kind of feels like you know what, do they go to Europe in this one? I mean, it's just it it's a very like self-contained story, and I appreciated that too. You know, there was like he was embarrassed uh, by his father, and then at the end he isn't, and he actually embraces, uh, uh, you know, what his father brings to the table. So uh, it's probably safe to say that both Max and I learned to appreciate Goofy better by the end of the movie. But even then, uh, I'm I'm not as he, you know, he's not he's not on my top Disney tier. Um, I was I was three stars, and now I'm three and a half. By the way. Oh, okay. You added an extra half. I mean, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, if you're not fond of Goofy to begin with, then Goofy singing probably isn't your, your Ooh, bag. It is Do rough. you need a break from <laughs> modern living? Yeah, you got to give it another chance because those tracks are, the songs are great. Just the way, like, the way Goofy talks is to me, like, the kind of thing that you, uh, like that's that's a joke that you drop here and there, but then when you have that throughout the entire movie, that's like, oh, he's actually a character, and so I have to take him as a character that speaks that way. And that's I don't think I was ready for that. Uh, oh my gosh, was- that that just reminded me, Julio. One year um, when we went to Disney World, uh, we were there on my birthday, and I guess my parents told the concierge or you know the front desk or whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so on my birthday, I got a call uh, from Goofy. <laughs> Oh. And it was like, I hear it's your birthday. Like, I wish I had that on recording. It's amazing. <laughs> and it was like, have a magical day. See, you just reminded me. The one time I was at Disney World, uh, I wanted a picture with Donald. And Donald was nowhere to be seen. So I ended up just getting my picture taken with Goofy, which is fine. But... That now we learn where this all comes from. <laughs> Maybe Julio that's where it all comes from. Yeah, I'm imagining, Julio had to settle. Yeah, you've got your all arms right. folded, like pouting. Patrons, I, this is not going to go into main feed, but patrons, <laughs> if I find that photo, I will put it up there. Yeah, and you can see. Like I'm trying to fake a smile, but also it's like it's not Donald. I just took like whoever was available. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, it's fitting you you mentioned patrons there because part three and the conclusion here of our little uh, summer break series with our honorary um, summer breaky, our teacher, my sister Lillian, will be concluding with David Wayne's Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, you'll have to tune in to know how we really feel about it. But uh, with how often I reference that on the podcast, I think it's uh, it's pretty clear and it's a big one for me and my sister. So I'm I'm interested to see Julio's thoughts on it. It's another uh, wild left turn in this little journey. <laughs> you would have thought we would have gone from Dates and Confused to uh, with Hot American Summer, but I like that we just, like, you could hear the tire squeal as we turn over to um, to go with Goofy Movie and then well, we squeal again as we take another turn. I have a reason for that. It's because Dates and Confused is the last day of school, it goes into the evening. Goofy Movie is last day through the summer. And then, oh. as you'll see, Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer is the last day of summer camp. So, I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all of our typical honoraries, thefestiveyears.com, Julio, uh, our logo creator, where can they find Hans? Our friend Hans Rothgieser, you can go to his website, mildemonios.pe, that's M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S.pe. You can check his art, his books, links to his podcast, everything is there. Thank you, Hans, for all your support. And Zoe Perez, our social media guru. Uh, you know, we're taking this journey right now for summer break, and Zoe's got us going on a journey pretty soon of Twilight, so <laughs> she'll, she'll get hers in the end. Um, but if this is your first time listening to The Contrarians, if you're just a big fan of a goofy movie and stumbled upon this, this is kind of just like a truncated version of what we typically do on here. So we are thecontrarians.com. Be sure to check out our website, at uh, Contrarian Prime on Twitter. That'll get you all the information you need to. Check it out. Scroll through. I guarantee there's another movie on there that you are a big fan of or one that you hate and want to know how we make it sound good. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Lillian, thank you again. And uh, from the sound of things, we'll uh, catch you over on our Patreon at uh, Camp Firewood.